1: Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rulo, the voice for patient safety, where each week we delve into little known healthcare and hospital hazards, as well as other fringe topics that affect your health and well being. I'm so happy you've taken the time to join me, and today I have lots to share with you. So let's dig right in, shall we? Well, today, I'm just thrilled to have a returning guest. This time, not to talk about patient safety and the patient experience, but to share his new book titled The Big Kid and Basketball and the Lessons He Taught His Father and Coach. He is Tom Dahlberg, a healthcare leader and the former head of the Parent Partnership Program for the National Institute for Children's Health Quality. With more than 35 years of experience leading and serving in healthcare, Tom also volunteers for a wide range of nonprofits and loves his time coaching young men's basketball. His newest book tells his personal story of his son, who overcame the impact of bullying through resilience, sports, faith and love, and how he taught his dad courage and determination. And I can't wait to share him with you once again. So welcome back, Tom.
0: Oh, thank you, Pat. It is so great to be back and it's been way too long. Uh, I love sharing with you. I think of the Grill the Guest segment we did probably four or five years ago. And, and, and I smile every time I think of that. It's just so much fun to be with you.
1: For folks that don't know that, we did a little fun thing where we grilled our guest. And, and Tom was such a trooper. I think we asked him questions, but you only could give a one or two word answer.
0: That's right, but let's just say that I think I added hyphens, to the numbers of words, to try to uh, uh, work through that challenge that you provided to me.
1: <laughs> we we call that a rule breaker, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun! It was fun. We had sizzling sounds as if you were on a grill. It was cool. You're a good you're a good sport.
0: I appreciate it.
1: All right. Well, today I want to talk about this book because there's a very important message in it. And initially, this book seems to be a bit of departure from the world of healthcare but not really because there are plenty of common threads when it comes to behavior. So let's talk about this book. How did it come about? Well, it's interesting. It wasn't meant to come about
0: uh, initially, so meaning there wasn't forethought in, I'm going to go write a book about this subject, about bullying. Rather, as my son, it's the big kid in basketball, my son is the big kid, as he was growing and we moved to this coastal community in Maine, We started as a family to experience, and he experienced directly, bullying. And it was bullying by adults to this child. My son was a big kid. He was about four years old. And a quick story, one day he was outside, and we could see him from the window in our side yard, and he was playing with his friends. And all the friends decided that they were going to go into the home right next door. And we're watching them, and, and we know the neighbors, and we see them starting to head in, and all's well and good. My wife, my bride, and I turn around, and then a couple of moments later, Tommy comes bursting through the door, and he is crying. And can't, he can't catch his breath. He's trying to tell us, and all we're hearing is mama, dada, mama, dada. And then eventually, Pat, what he shared was when he got to the door, this mother looked at him after letting everyone else in and said, you're, Tommy, you can't come in. You're too big. <gasps> yeah. Devastating. Uh, and so, oh. not too much longer after that, as another example, we're at a block party in the neighborhood, and they had one of those, I forget what they call it, but those bouncy things that, like, yes. sometimes look like castles and sometimes mm-hmm. not, and same type of thing. Tommy, you can't go in. You are too big. And he was four, oh. and the children that were in the bouncy thing at that time were like eight, nine, or ten years old, so it wasn't like he was with babies. Mm-hmm. Long story short, my bride and I were looking at each other, what's, what's wrong with us? What are we not doing well? What can we be doing differently? What remedies can we put into effect to help our child? And, and, and quite frankly, most things we tried didn't work or backfired, mm-hmm. and it got to the point where eventually... We decided for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons was we were going to move out of that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It was too toxic, and we were not going to allow our child to experience what he had been experiencing. So I start journaling at that time about what he's going through, what my bride and I are going through, what we're learning, what we're trying, and we moved to another community like the town over. And as time goes by, I start working for, and you mentioned it in the intro, the National Institute for Children's Health Quality. And it was their path that I learned there's this, this good news and bad news. The good news was my bride and I and my son were not alone. The bad news was that we were not alone. We learned that 30, uh, 27% of children report being bullied by other parents. Mm. This is research studies out of, uh, out of Yale. We learned that 37% of children are bullied by teachers. And we also learned that 42% of children... Are bullied by coaches slash phys ed teachers and so again here's this you're not alone but also oh my gosh mm-hmm. what can we do what resources are there how can we help and, and so again I I'm writing this journal I my father and my my bride see p- parts of it and they say you know you should share this you should try to help you know this could help other people going through this so it, because again you're not alone and so one day when Tommy was older, I think he was like 8, 9, or 10 years old, probably 8, I think. it No,pe I take it back, probably 10. I, I sat with him, and I read a couple of journal entries, and I said, Tommy, what do you think? Are you comfortable with your father, with me sharing this? And if not, it's okay. I totally get it. And he looked at me, and he had tears in his eyes, and he said, as I get tears right now, he says, Daddy, I want to help. Please share it. Oh. So that's how the Big Kid in Basketball blog was started and now fast forward about 8 years cuz literally it was like July or August of 2018 my father kept saying to me throughout this time you got to turn this into a book and then there was a woman in northern maine somehow found the blog series cuz i really wasn't publicizing it that much and she she wrote me via facebook messenger and said i sat down in an afternoon and read every blog post in the big kid in basketball i want to be a coach I want to help children. This needs to be a book. And so I i had been writing a healthcare book since 2015, and I thought that was going to be what I'd be publishing at this point. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm just going to follow fate, whatever, the universe, destiny, whatever, and I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to self-publish it. I'm just going to put it out there and see what happens. And long story short, Pat, there's been so much energy around this mm-hmm. because we're not alone. And, and it's children with adult bullying. It's It's Bullying in the workplace, especially in healthcare. It's bullying children on children. It is story after story of children being bullied. And as you see more and more is also suicide, not only because of bullying or not just because of bullying, but it's happening and bullying is a contributor to that and horrific end result. So again, it was very organic. It's, it's a message that's close to our heart because we lived it and we want to help. Yeah.
1: Wow. Well, bless you and bless your son for having the courage to say, yes, go ahead and let's get this out there. I want to, I want to help. You know, this is such a serious issue and it bullying receives a lot of press, but you're specifically talking about children being bullied by adults. And that takes this story to a completely other level. And, and when I was. Preparing to talk with you today, it hit me again. I remember when my daughter played varsity basketball and volleyball, everyone called one of her teammates four cheeks because this girl was heavier than the rest. And this was not just from the kids. It was the parents in the stand Mm -hmm. were yelling four cheeks. And I, you know, at the time I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I guess I didn't realize that it was such a widespread problem. So thank you for, for sharing this and bringing this aspect of it to light.
0: Thank you for saying that. You're right. It's huge. I remember as a coach, and I coached my son first as an assistant coach for a couple years, and I think maybe eight more years after that as the head coach, and you would hear, just like you just said, some horrific things out of the stands from parents, sometimes to their own child, which is bad Mm -hmm. enough, and often to other children. (gasps) And they would gravitate towards whatever it was that they thought could hurt, could harm Mm -hmm, a child. mm It could be about their size, just like my son experienced and, and and um the person on your daughter's team experienced. It could be about braces, it could be about missing a shot, it could be about um their family, it could it was horrific. Mm-hmm. And so Channel eight up here in Portland, Maine, WMTW did a story on this. It was really powerful because they also, in addition to myself, they brought in another coach who was saying the same things and this is a different part of the state, hearing the same type of things of what's being said from the stands and How, in his opinion, it's even getting worse. (laughs) Again, good and bad news is we're not alone. And the only way we're going to fix this, Pat, is together. So again, Mm -hmm. we uh, we shouldn't be alone in trying to fix it too. And that's why it's so important to me to share the message, share the message with coaches, with parents, with educators, with the kids themselves, because there's so much harm being done. And the harm isn't only right at that moment when the child's feelings are being hurt, when they're being hurt in so many different ways. It 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 longitudinal. And mm-hmm. I'll give you if you don't mind two examples of that. One is just recently um I had she had a post about some of the some of the feedback about what's happening with bullying and so forth on Facebook and a woman reached out to me in Facebook Messenger. It's it's amazing social media nowadays and she said she's almost 60. She said the in her heart, in her mind, when she is trying to accomplish something as a woman who is almost 60, she hears in the back of her head, you're not good enough, Mm -hmm. because that is what her phys ed teacher to say to her in second grade. So it's, like Mm -hmm. I said, it it hurts and harms when the person's in second grade. It carries forth throughout the people's lives in many many ways, um, consciously and subconsciously. Mm And I'll give you one more quick example as well. When I was the executive director for a nonprofit research institute, we also had a multi-specialty group practice. And we had a woman come to us one time who said, my primary care physician, my doctor, she said, fired me from his practice. And over time, we developed, we focused a lot on relationship and connection and humanity and compassion and trust and, and safety Safety as far as the the clinical, but also creating a safe space for optimal communication, which also leads to safety in the clinical space as well. And over time, she shared more and more of her story. She shared that she went to this physician. He diagnosed, diagnosed her as morbidly obese. She was a big woman. And he said to her, do you want to live? And she said, yes. Now, Pat, I hope he was saying that to try to identify some sort of motivational device mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know because I don't know who it, the, the physician himself. And she said, yes, I want to live because I have a granddaughter and I want to see my granddaughter get married. So, again, she's telling the story. He says to her, great. Here's your diet. Here's your exercise regimen. Go do it. I'm giving you the Real Reed's Digest version. <laughs> she, she goes off three times. Three times her words. She fails. The third time, she goes back to the primary care physician, and he says, "I told you what to do. You're not listening to me. I can't help you. You need to go find a new doctor." Oh. So now she's at our practice, and in our practice, we have primary care physicians, we have mental health practitioners, psychiatrists, psychologists, licensed social workers, other therapists, and in this safe container, in this um, in the safe place, she shared more. She shared that when she was a child, she was bullied. And she was, quite frankly, abused by coaches and phys ed teachers. She shared that in her words. She hated going to gym. She hated getting changed for gym. She hated exercise. And again, in her own words, mm-hmm. she hated her own body. Ugh. Now, this physician, just to close that point, he had no idea. He didn't know any of that because in his model, his, his practice, he didn't have the container for, to allow for safety to share that type of information mm-hmm. we were blessed to have that model the point related to what we're talking about here is that again is that longitudinal impact of bullying that this woman became so against exercise against treating herself well because she hated herself because so many people told her she wasn't good enough told her she her, her body was bad and she was bad because of it that that carried forth into now she has a granddaughter and this woman now talk about, we talked about, mentioned suicide earlier, but this woman had life-threatening health care challenges because of her weight, and a lot of that goes back to she was being bullied as a child. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times we think, yeah, bullying is awful and we need to do something about it. True. And it's more than that because it leads to such things as suicide and these types of stories out there.
1: Absolutely. Wow, that's an intense story and there's so many giant conversations we could have right around that one as well. makes me think about empathy and I was going to ask you, children being bullied by other children, how should adults in the situation handle this? I was thinking about the fear of consequence. You know, if you keep bullying Sarah, you're not going to be on the team anymore. Or do we teach Empathy, and then that takes us back to the healthcare roots that we both have. That healthcare story that you just told—that we beg for empathy from our medical providers. So, whether we're being bullied by children or adults, what do you do about that? And how do we teach empathy? What What's the solution?
0: One of the questions you asked was, "What do we do as coaches or as coaches or as adults if we see someone bullying a child, bullying another child?" And and I think there's lots of things we can do, and we need to do them universally. And we need to stress or prioritize certain actions depending on the person. So as an example, if I'm a coach, I need to, first of all, role model not bullying. Mm -hmm. I can't be bullying my own players. I can't be bullying my family. I can't be bullying other players. I use the term a lot, head on a swivel. So when I used to coach... The the term, especially on defense, would be, yes, you're guarding your own man or or, or, or the the child in front of you, but you also have to have a head on a swivel to make sure you know where the ball is and also to see what's happening behind you. So you always need to be scanning. As a coach, as a parent, as an adult, yes, we want to maintain focus on our own child to make sure they're safe. We want to maintain focus on ourselves that we're not projecting any shadow, any things that happen to us as a child that we're now projecting onto others. And with that head still on a swivel, we need to ensure all the children on that team, all the children on that court, all that children, those children on the bench are being treated appropriately. So that's key, is role modeling.
1: You know, and that's actually a really simple and easy answer. If each one of us looked at our own selves and our own behavior and what it is we're putting out there, then the problem would be solved. Because I don't think, I hope that people don't want to behave this way. I don't think we're hardwired to be hurtful to other people. So maybe if everyone just stopped and said, what am I doing? What message am I sending to others, to my kids, to anyone that I come in contact with? Maybe it could be solved.
0: I think you're exactly right that that is a key to it. And I also know, just to add to that, there are a lot of people that have damaged themselves. Yes. And I just read recently, and I wish I could remember who wrote the quote or who said this, but I can't. But it's not me, it's them, and they're brilliant, and, and I'm totally copying it right <laughs> now. It said, the number one thing a good leader does is become self-aware. And I'm like, yes, that's right. It gets to exactly what we're talking about. We need to be aware of our actions and our behaviors and why we're doing them and not excuse it, but fix the behaviors. Mm -hmm.
1: That's a wonderful answer because not only are you putting good out there, you're putting good back to yourself. I mean, you're healing yourself and then that gets mirrored out into the world. Thank you, Tom. I think this is a really important conversation. I'm going to bet that many people really haven't given much consideration to adults bullying uh, younger children from a patient standpoint, back to healthcare for just a mm-hmm. second. As a patient, I find myself doing this very purposefully. When I have a healthcare provider, especially if that person seems a little rushed or maybe perhaps a little bit rude, I stop and I say, thank you for helping me. Mm. And just the tone of your voice and just to say, thank you for helping me. You know, I'm in need and you're helping me. I can see the physical reaction from that person where they're shocked that somebody actually said that and actually what it does is changes the whole demeanor and and the future encounters with that person because they realize that you need them and you are thanking them and you appreciate them I don't think many people do that
0: you are so spot on and in fact as soon as you started to say what you just shared and thank you for doing so I immediately pictured that person's shoulders coming down yes because you're right mm-hmm. when we go to that place of gratitude, It actually helps, I'll say it differently, differently. Research shows that when we say thank you to somebody, not only does the person who we said thank you to heal literally at a cellular level, but we, the person who's given the gratitude, heal as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's fascinating to me. Cellular level, we're having healing right now. And then more specifically to what you said, that person, their whole demeanor changes, their energy changes, whatever term we want to use, but they become more present. And more open, and more able to help themselves and to help others even more so, because we went to a place of gratitude. Kudos for you for
1: doing that. It seems to help, and I take it beyond saying thank you. I say thank you for helping me. Mm -hmm. And wow, I just think that makes a connection between that person and you. They realize that they are necessary. They realize that you need them. It just does a lot for those few words.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's awesome.
1: Oh, I love talking to you. Yeah, <laughs> Tom, obviously we could talk about this for quite a long time. There's just so, so many avenues we can hit. But um, sadly, we're going to begin to wrap up. Is there anything that we missed, though, that you wanted to bring up? I guess a couple of things.
0: One is if you're an adult listening and you're a coach, a parent, an educator, whomever it might be, please know there are far more good people doing great things out there. The point here is there's also opportunities. There's opportunities to look in the mirror as we talked about. There's opportunities to help others. And there's opportunities to truly impact a child at this moment. And that moment's going to last them the rest of their lives. And so I think that's a key piece of it. Another one is if folks want to hear more, want me to come and talk, I, I am incredibly passionate about this. I want to help. Please reach out at mail dot the big kid at gmail dot com and I'd be happy to come and give talk or if you have questions, if you have concerns, if you're hurting please, I'm happy to help and if I can, I can direct you to experts. We're not alone and we need to help one another
1: right. right, so there's plenty of ways to get in touch with you. The title of the book is The Big Kid in Basketball and the Lessons He Taught His Father and Coach Tom's website is tbkid.org Tom Dahlberg, I love spending time with you. We need to do this more often. You're just the best. And you share so many positive messages, not only within healthcare but within life in general. So thank you for all you do.
0: Oh, thank you, Pat. I love being on your show. The message that you share yourself and with your guests. And yes, love to come on uh, more frequently. Maybe next time we talk about more of the patient safety aspect and how communication is so important.
1: Absolutely, you're a pro when it comes to that. I look forward to it. Tom Dahlberg, everybody. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Pat. Listen
0: to Pat Rulo and Speak Up Radio. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com.
1: Hi, I'm Jana Paneritas, host of the AgeWise podcast. Let's face it, no matter how much you love someone, caring for them can be exhausting.
0: You're going to have to get some help, but we gotta get very specific on what help looks like.
1: Many of the guests on my show are caregivers like the one you just heard from. I love sharing their stories because they're lively and inspiring, and they're a reminder that on this often bumpy caregiving journey, none of us are truly alone. So join me each week at speakuptalkradio.com for caregiving stories from the field that will help you feel less alone. To learn more about the show, visit agewise.com. That's A-G-E-W-Y-Z.com.
0: If you don't have somebody who could sit with your loved one while you go see your doctor, then call your church, call your pastor, call your rabbi, call your priest. And if they won't help you, they get a new pastor, church rabbi priest. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hi there. I'm Gina Murphy-Darling, the host of Mrs. Green's World, and I would really love for you to become a part of that world. We talk about things like the faceless villain of climate change, our compromised food supply, and about how to become a conscious consumer. But it's not all bad news. We educate, we inspire, we engage. We always leave you with some small steps you can take to make a difference for this great planet of ours and help you live the healthy life you deserve. Please visit mrsgreensworld.com to learn more and become a part of our world. Are you in the market to purchase a home? Are you thinking of selling yours? Well, I've personally worked with the McCaskey team. Give them a call 440-773-5542 or visit their website, mccaskeyteam.com mccaskeyteam.com Well, there you have it. Lots to think about and plenty to share with others. And to do so, simply head over to the website speakupandstayalive.com where you can listen to today's show again and hear previous episodes all under the radio archives button. And while you're there, visit the shop page to get a copy of the life-saving book Speak Up and Stay Alive, Your Hospital Survival Guide. And for more of my books, visit amazon.com, type my name in the search bar, Patricia Rulo, R-U-L-L-O, and you will find some other goodies. And if you just need more of me, invite me to speak to your group, club, church, business, or hospital. My presentations are fun, fast-paced, informative, and life-saving. And I can guarantee this, no one falls asleep on my watch. Visit speakupandstayalive.com for more information Email me at pat at speakupandstayalive.com or call me and leave a message on the radio studio line 440-725-5462. That is 440-725-5462. Well, that is it for today. Until next time, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week. I am Pat Rulo and I am the voice. For informed choice.